Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, we have upbeat music, but we have a sad day. It is heart-wrenching news, as I'm sure you've heard by now, for lovers of conservative media. Radio talk show host, superstar, Rush Limbaugh of Palm Beach, Florida, died of lung cancer this morning. Conservative talk show radio would likely not exist today without Rush, and much of right-leaning media and television also probably would not exist, at least not in its same form. Later on in the show, we're going to talk more about Rush, and you won't want to miss what we have for you. We talked to John Solomon about Rush Limbaugh coming up a little later in the show, and I'm sure uh, he'll be sprinkled into this show uh, in a myriad of ways. Uh, but we want to get to something else first because I think it's important and I think it speaks really to the legacy of something Rush was also very passionate about. This wild winter weather and what has really happened that has caused the deaths of Americans, these rolling blackouts in Texas in the midst of this winter storm, they are evidence that we have come full circle in some ways. America and the world went from living in the dark to an explosion of safe and affordable electric power that became accessible in every home in the United States. And now we are on the decline. Wind turbines and solar panels are failing and Americans are dying. Power outages happen in third world countries and in California and anywhere that the left has mandated that we use unreliable so-called green energy. But we never dreamed we would see this in Texas. Right now, as we speak, people are dying in the cold across Texas and the Midwest because people in a very warm office someplace are deciding who gets the limited amount of available electricity and when they get to have that electricity. These power outages that we are seeing right now aren't caused by damage to power lines from a windstorm or from a winter storm. Actually, a very small amount of the outages are because of storm damage. And despite the rantings and ravings you will see all over social media about the causes of these storms, these outages are called rolling blackouts. And people in California are very familiar with that term. I lived there for a long time. I know these things. These rolling blackouts are where bureaucrats and public utility companies hand out limited amounts of power because there isn't enough for everybody all at one time. Now, remember back when we heard about death panels and how the socialist policies of Obamacare would cause the limited amount of healthcare resources to be doled out by a panel of government officials. Is this beginning to sound familiar to you? This is a death panel in our electric companies. We are told that global warming or climate change or whatever you prefer to call it is a threat to our future. But we are seeing firsthand, folks, that the real threat to our lives today is fake science being forced up on us 
by Marxists and squishy Republicans who say that they care for the environment on the one hand and push green energy upon the American people who do not want it, do not need it, and now are dying from it. If you want to know what the new Green Deal really looks like, here you have it, folks. It's right here, shining color, just for you. This disaster is over a decade in the making. Texas politicians played both sides. In one breath, they'd say, oh, they're proud of the oil and the natural gas being produced in that state. And in the next, they brag about being the biggest wind energy producer in the country, cut deals with the Democrat politicians to keep them happy so they can keep their oil money coming in. Well, it sounds really nice to jump on the green ener energy bandwagon while you're getting what you want. But instead of standing on principle, Texas politicians played a dangerous political game at the expense of their citizens, where they adopted some ideas on the left in order to score political points with Democrat politicians. And we see this over and over again. And now people are dead because of it. Every life matters. And we should make sure that this never happens again in the United States of America. No American should ever go without electricity because of mishandling of our power grid by politicians who only actually care about their own power. I want you to bear that in mind as we continue to listen to the rhetoric coming out of the left about climate change and about global warming and about green energy and about all of their ideas that don't actually work even as they will continue to lie to you about the cause of all of that and we right here on real america's voice rav tv and especially here on dr gina primetime will keep you ahead of the news and the real truth on all of this every single night now let's head around america to our hosts and correspondents on the ground first thing we're going to do is start in shreveport louisiana with weather nation meteorologist alana cameron who is braving that exact weather for us right now alana give us an update well, we're still dealing with these freezing rain and sleet conditions here in Shreveport, Louisiana. We are actually at the LSU uh, Health Facility here on the St. Mary's campus. And we just got some information that uh, the power is not out here, but we are still dealing with uh, water lines that have been out and the heat has been out in the hospital. So uh, a major event that's hitting this hospital hard now. The power will still be on with this uh, here, but... Again, still dealing with no heat and no water in a hospital. It's just one of those situations where uh, it, it's devastating for the people that are here. And then, of course, with all the rolling outages that have been ongoing in the state of Texas, now over millions of people without power. And when we get more of this sleet and freezing rain, then it's going to start to cause some of the issues on the power lines where we could see outages, not just the rolling outages, some additional ones, too. And we're hearing that that weather is coming at you again, which is almost unbelievable, Elena. But tell me this, what do you do when there's, what do they do with patients when there's no water and no heat? Yeah, it's hard to say uh, what they're doing. I know that the fire department was out here earlier uh, to uh, put some water in some of the lines here so that they can at least do basic things like flush the toilets. But uh, we, we were speaking with the CEO of the hospital earlier and uh, not a lot of information other than that the, the lines are down and that the heat is out. And it's just going to be mo mainly a waiting game from this point forward. Unbelievable. All right, Alana, thank you so much. Do keep us posted. In the meantime, we'll be praying for all of those affected, especially those in severe need like those in the hospital. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, let's head out to Washington, D.C., to the host of Just the News AM, Carrie Sheffield. What do you have for us today? Hey there, Dr. Gina. Take a listen to this clip, and we'll talk about it after. You're not likely to be able to be exposed to something and spread it to mommy or daddy. And it's not likely mommy and daddy are able to spread it to you either. So I wouldn't worry about it, baby. I promise you. And that's President Biden at a town hall last night in Wisconsin saying to that young girl, he called her baby. So we're not hearing a media outcry about what he called her, first of all. But then second of all, what he told her, that children are not at risk of the coronavirus. We're not hearing a media outcry about this, even though former President Trump, while he was president, said the same thing. In fact, the Associated Press, which is massively subscribed to by many mainstream media organizations, said that Trump falsely declares kids safe from the coronavirus. This is in one of their, quote, fact checks. And he said that President Trump is falsely suggesting that children are safe from the coronavirus as he pushes to reopen the country now and schools in the summer or fall. So when President Biden is saying it, the media says nothing. But when President Trump said the exact same thing, looking at the science, looking at all the data, there is an outcry. Again, this is the latest example of what many conservatives say is a double standard in the media and how President Biden has been treated compared to how President Trump was treated during his presidency. We'll keep you posted on more of these. For now, back to you, Dr. Gina. Thanks for keeping them honest, Carrie. You know, you don't have to be slanted at all just to do those very level-headed comparisons sometimes, and it can be very eye-opening. Thanks, Carrie. Let's head out to Denver, Colorado, to Just the News contributor Christian Toto. Uh, Christian, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Christian, you've been documenting how the states are taking the lead on the battle against big tech and their assault on conservative speech. Do tell us about that. Yeah, well, listen, uh, obviously, President Biden has no dog in this fight. He doesn't want to talk about suppression of free speech in big tech. It's not an issue for all the talk of unity. He's not going there. I don't see any sort of federal movement toward that end. So the states are kind of taking it upon themselves to do this. This is uh, Florida. This is Texas, other states as well. And they're basically doing different ways to kind of attack this issue from free speech from uh, being able to kind of have a, a conservative business, from politicians being able to say what they want to say in this digital arena. So many different things are moving ahead. You know, it's hard to give specifics. Some of them are in flux as we speak, but there is chance that at the state level, this issue can be addressed and, and possibly addressed very successfully. Uh, you know, you get a few states, their legislation kicks in, the, uh, the big platforms like Facebook and Twitter, maybe they pay significant fines, maybe they're afraid of other states following those paths, then possibly things can happen. Because for right now, it's very clear that the level, the playing field is nowhere near level and uh, conservatives are rightly worried about it. And Christian, you also wrote about Rush Limbaugh today and that story is one of the top stories at justthenews.com. Tell us about that. You know, you know, we talk a lot about celebrities when they pass, pop culture figures, Maybe we inflate them a little bit. You know, you want to be nice to people who have just passed. You can't overstate what Rush Limbaugh meant to the culture, to talk radio, to the conservative movement. And I want to mention something that I don't think people talk about that often. He lost his hearing. He's a radio talk show superstar who lost most of his hearing and then went on for the next 20 or so years doing exactly what he did forever, just drawing millions of fans, speaking his mind, being creative, being different, being confrontational. That's an amazing figure. 
the fact that he was able to kind of overcome that obstacle, uh, you know, he was constantly under the threat of cancellation, even before cancel culture became a thing, a constant source uh, of people on the left saying, we must take him off the air. He battled through, he was significant, he blazed the trail for so many other talkers right now who can all directly co connect their careers to what Rush did. It just, it's an amazing story. And uh, even in his last few months, he could have taken all those months off. He could have just said, hey, get some guest hosts on the show. But he was on as much as he possibly could in between the treatments. He didn't take the days off that he might have. It's just amazing. And, and at the very end, all he was was grateful. And all he was was thankful for his fans. It's, it, was an, it was an amazing thing to watch in real time. Incredibly gracious human being and a giant among men to be sure, and a, and a true icon and mentor to so many of us, uh, you know, who will continue his legacy to the very best of our ability. Thank you so much, Christian, for being with us and for all of the great things you do there. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Steve Malloy from JunkScience.com is up next to break down the environmental junk science that I just referred to that led to these blackouts in Texas that actually killed people. You will not want to miss this because you're going to be able, you're going to need to be able to explain this to your leftist friends. More Dr. Gina Prime time coming up after this. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, right before break, we heard from our Weather Nation correspondent, Alana Cameron, who's in Louisiana, reporting on the deadly conditions there. For millions of Texans, it's going on about three days without power in single-digit uh, temperatures. But we're learning in downtown Dallas, Texas Energy Company, Encore, and many other high-rise buildings have had power, and most of the businesses are empty. Yet, apartments and homes nearby have no power. They've gone completely without. And we heard all about the hospital with no heat and no water. So the question many Texans and Americans have is, if Texas is the state that produces more power than any other state in the nation, why are they in a complete blackout? Makes no sense. Joining me now to answer this and other questions is founder of JunkScience.com, Steve Malloy. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Steve, can you explain why, first of all, Texas has been in this complete blackout? Well, this is really the culmination of about 12 years of bad policy where Texas has been getting rid of, you know, reliable, affordable coal power and moving towards, uh, you know, unreliable wind and less reliable natural gas. Natural gas is fine, but when you get to extreme conditions like this, it doesn't work so well. Nothing works as well as coal. Nothing is as cheap as coal. Uh, and then you throw in wind, which is completely unreliable. And the problem is uh, ultimately that the grid operator in Texas, ERCOT, um, thought that they were going to make it through this cold front with uh, you know, the wind power that they have. And uh, you know, it was going to be a close run thing, but they thought they could make it. They didn't bother to get any of their other you know, uh, backup gas plants or coal plants running. 
And so when the windmills froze, because there was freezing rain, <laughs> it was just disaster. And it's been like this for, for three days now, and uh, God knows how long it's going to go on. This should be a lesson for everyone. This is what Joe Biden wants to do, what is going on in Texas to the rest of the country. So unless we want to have Biden blackouts, everyone needs to pay attention to what's going on in Texas and learn from it. And many people understand having options for energy. You know, I have some solar lights around my house. They don't actually work very well on cloudy days. I live in Florida. We don't have a lot of cloudy days, but on the cloudy days, my solar lights don't light my dock. That was one of the first ways I learned that solar might not be the best idea. Um, yeah. Liberals and Democrats want to compromise and say going green is the only answer. But if going green with windmills and solar isn't dependable in emergency situations, in high demand situations like an ice storm, like we're seeing in Texas right now, uh, how can we get rid of coal and gas and, uh, and, and, you know, and even cutting down on our investment in nuclear? Right. Well, right. None of it. Make, none of our current energy policy makes sense. We should have more nuclear. We should have more coal. We should have more gas. These are baseload uh, power sources. They run the grid. If people want to have wind, uh, and maybe possibly some places it makes sense. I don't know. I don't know where. Um, in Texas, they've got plenty of wind, but they just pay more for electricity. The same is true in California and the Northeast. They have some wind, but it just costs more money. It's not changing the environment. It's not changing the climate. It's not improving their lives. Uh, but apparently they feel better by paying more for electricity. Well, but that doesn't work, you know, for most of us. For most of us, we want our electricity to be there all the time. It's not good enough for electricity to be there half the time or most of the time or almost all the time. It must be there all the time, especially when it's two degrees outside like it is in Texas. You need to have electricity. And so, you know, the politicians, the grid operator, and the green activists have let everybody down. And all I can say is that, you know, learn this lesson. This is what Joe Biden is going to do to the rest of the grid. He has promised to phase out fossil fuels. So there's just more of this coming. And uh, he's canceled the XO, Keystone XL pipeline. It was literally one of the first things he did out of the box with an executive order, as you know, leaving many thousands of Americans and Canadians out of jobs. Even the Canadian uh, prime minister had something to say about this. At this point, what can be done by the gas and coal industries to fight back against this administration for something that is obviously essential? And it's not yeah. just about the jobs that were lost. I mean, Steve, we're talking about dead people at this point. We're talking right. about, and, and to me, and I, and I, and I want to be careful how I say this because I think I think loss of, of, of livelihood matters too. When, when people's livestock is dying, I have a friend who lost her, her, all of her baby goats. They froze to death in her barn last night, um, and she, she texted me about it. I, I know people who've lost you know, untold amounts of, uh, of uh, you know, different sorts of you know, business that, that, they can, you know, that they've told me about. But you know, we've lost human beings in this and, 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 ton, and untold amounts of money. That all, at some point, has to matter and yet they have this pie-in-the-sky idea that they're going to fix everything by turning everything green. And Steve, I want to get to, I want you to address, I don't want you to be shy about addressing, that there's a real profit motive for a lot of friends of folks who benefit from some of this. I want you to go there with this. Okay, well, you're absolutely right. And I just want to say at the beginning, you know, I worked for the coal industry for a number of years, but I can tell you, that if you're relying on the coal industry or the gas industry 
or the nuclear industry to keep the lights on, you know, you're just, you know, you're whistling up a dark alley because that's not going to happen. That's not how they operate. That they're, they're not worried about you. They're worried about themselves and they don't even worry about themselves very well. So, you know, this is a situation where, you know, people that rely on electricity, which is all of us, we've got to be on our politicians. You know, uh, a year ago, uh, Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, who I like, he's a good, good Republican, uh, he was bragging about how Texas is the number one state in wind. And if Texas was a country, it would be the number five country reliant on, or, you know, with wind power. Well, you know, I, I had to retweet his tweet and say, this didn't age very well, because now Texas is the number one state without electricity. And if Texas were a country, we would call it India, okay, where there's no electricity yeah. or, you know, not everyone has electricity. So this is kind of a situation where, you know, we can't rely on the grid operator. I mean, these people are engineers, but of course, you know, they are susceptible to political correctness too, which is what all this wind and solar stuff is. It's just political correctness. It's not making the climate or the environment any better. We're just paying more for it. We're getting nothing. It's a ripoff. Okay, so we have to get engaged. You know, it's up to us. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to us as citizens and ratepayers to communicate with our politicians and get them straight because this is a serious problem. I think Governor Abbott has had his cage rattled very seriously the last couple of days. He's kind of changed his tune. Now he's saying, yeah, you know, we don't want to go into this New Green Deal stuff anymore because this is going to be a disaster. And you're right. You know, you're right. This kills people uh, and, and people lose money and people lose all sorts of things. Um, you know, it's not fun having no electricity in two degree weather. I mean, try it sometime. You know, it's one thing. I live in Washington, D.C. Sometimes in the spring we lose uh, power for a couple hours because of a thunderstorm, no big deal. But to be without power for three days in two degree weather when you're not ready for it, that's a very serious situation. Well, I remember in Missouri, one of the biggest wind farm uh, gifts <laughs> went to the Carnahan family, who is a former governor of Missouri um, and big political player family. And a lot of these gifts do end up going to very politically connected families of Democrat connected. Well, players. It's just the facts. And and I want to say something else about this. I also know that these so-called scientists, these environmental scientists, um, as you wrote about in your book, Junk Science, um, there there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's very, very, very scary behind the scenes. I have a good friend, uh, James Instrom, Dr. James Instrom, out of UCLA, tenured professor. He went and did a study uh, along the roads um, and said, oh gosh, you know what? Guess what? The trees along the roadside on the freeway actually are very healthy trees. It actually doesn't hurt for cars to omit CO2 along the roads. It actually makes them healthier. And they omit more oxygen for, guess what, people to breathe because that's the way God set things up. I mean, he didn't say that part. That was me injecting. Um, and guess what? His tenure was revoked for that because you as a scientist are not there to tell the truth of your findings. You're there to you know, to keep your job <laughs> and, and to give yourself um, another, you know, continuation of your job. And so this kind of science is scary to me, Steve. We have about 30 seconds remaining, but people need to look into this and read your book. Well, thank you. I know Jim Enstrom. He's a great guy. I've worked with him a lot. Uh, there is a lot of monkey business going on with science. Uh, it has cost us a lot of jobs. Uh, they did a lot of bad, a lot of junk science during the Obama administration, killed the coal industry. Biden administration is prepared to crank that up again. You're right, there are politicians on both sides of that, the aisle that are on the take from the wind and solar industry. And the only one that's going to look out for us is ourselves. That's right. All right, Steve, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you.
Coming up, Joe Biden's CNN town hall last night was full of falsehoods and even a racist moment. Who would have thunk? We'll bring it all to you up next. More Dr. Gina Prime Time coming up. Stay right where you are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, last night, Joe Biden did a CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper, and there wasn't much fact-checking going on. The most jaw-dropping moment was when Biden claimed that there was no COVID vaccine before he entered the White House. Listen. And uh, the biggest thing, though, is you remember when you and I, no, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing to have the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? Anderson Cooper and everyone watching knew that wasn't true, but nobody spoke up. Biden was also not asked about the huge story of the Cuomo cover-up of COVID nursing home deaths. And Biden was not asked about the resignation of his deputy press secretary for telling a reporter, I will destroy you. Here with reaction to all of this is Aaron Elmore. Aaron, good to see you. Aaron, where are the fact checkers now? They've all disappeared into thin air. Is it, is it global warming? Or the, what's going on in Texas, which they refuse to talk about. We know, Gina, there are no fact checkers. There are conservative checkers. That's right. That's right. It's so true. And, you know, we, we hear about this administration, uh, you know, canceling thousands of jobs, canceling everything that the Trump administration did that really made life better for Americans. And yet the media doesn't ask the hard questions ever Never. of this Biden administration. And even Barack Obama, just to pivot for a moment, he had an interview a few weeks ago and he was talking about kids in cages, which we know it was he who put the kids in cages. And the yeah. reporter just nodded in unison. Yep, Trump did that. They want to erase the history of what Barack Obama did and what Donald Trump did. And the American people are sitting here holding the bag like, what happened? I've noticed that when I do a Google search, it is impossible to find the truth if there's even a kernel of political fodder involved. Where yeah. are we supposed to get the truth? Well, that's why there are other search engines I sometimes will duck, use. DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, yeah. China's one of the worst, though, when it comes to human rights violations. And literally millions of uh, these Uyghur people have been enslaved yes. or placed into these camps in China. And But Joe Biden says... It's okay because, you know, Aaron, it's, it's a different culture and you just need to have empathy and you just need to relate. That's all. Watch, watch this. I want to play a clip for you. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country and they, their leaders are expected to follow. 
So enslaving an entire ethnic group of people is okay if it's your culture. Right. So Nazi Germany just put a bunch of Jewish people for their religion and blood and heritage on trains. By the way, that's what they're doing with the Uyghurs as well. Two concentration camp, which they're doing by the Uyghurs as well. There is very little difference between what happened in Nazi Germany and what happens in China. These Uyghurs are literally doing slave labor. The women are being raped and sterilized. It is sick and demented that you can even call this a culture. And then he says he's going to be tough on China. It's really disgusting what Joe Biden is saying and Anderson Cooper is absolutely complicit in. But I mean, Joe Biden has a long, long history of racism that also the left never talks about. Never. So it's not really surprising this moment, the worst of the night, uh, where he said black and Hispanic Americans don't know how to use the internet. You can't make this stuff up. Watch. The, uh, the other part, portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the. What do you make of that, Aaron? Well, he's old and doesn't understand the internet himself. <laughs> But to a, but I mean, but I mean to, but to to make it as a racial statement like that is not. I mean, he's certainly not including himself as someone who doesn't understand the internet. Certainly that not, might have yeah. been an okay way to put it. That's not what he said, Aaron. Certainly, no. What he was probably indicating, but he clearly has no ability to speak because he's in the early stages of dementia, is that in many African American and underserved Hispanic communities, they don't have access to the internet or Wi-Fi. That is a factual statement, but he did not say that. He just sounded like a bumbling idiot racist, which he is. Well, I mean, I think, I think he probably, in, in some cases, and pe perhaps people should, should realize that people do tend to, in the stages of dementia that he's in, uh, go back to their basis of what they believe. And it's no secret that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris said it herself, yes. has, long time, has, has had, a, had a long time um, deep hold to these beliefs. Right. And so it's not surprising that some of this would be manifest at when you do tend to get down to these parts of the Yes, dementia. of course. And as you know, Bill Clinton's crime bill, who was the most, first of all, Bill Clinton's crime bill incarcerated more African-American men than any sitting president in the history of our country. Okay. And the biggest proponent and supporter and advocate for Bill Clinton's crime bill was Biden. I mean, let's face it, these are the facts and mm -hmm. they're not disputable, but the mainstream media won't report on any of them. All right, Aaron, we knew it was coming amnesty for illegal aliens, but you can't say that, uh, and for anyone who can rush over the border. And he made it clear that citizenship for illegals is an absolute top priority right after losing jobs for anyone who's working. <laughs> Check this out. But just to be clear, though, uh, I, and I know you're going to be announcing stuff later this week, or that's what I've heard. Um, you do want a pathway to citizenship yes. for ele roughly 11 million undocumented immigrants, yes. and that would be essential in any bill. For you. Well, yes. The opposite of America first. The opposite of everything that we've experienced for the last four years. And he talks about a dark winter and a pandemic. Are there COVID tests for all these people? Are they right. being COVID tested? Of course As not. we know, he had a phone call with DeSantis trying to threaten DeSantis to shut down the Florida border because of new variants. So Florida's border shut, but the Mexico one is like a wide open swinging gates.
Right. This is utter bash your head against a wall insanity. I don't know how else to say it. Right, and tearing down the wall around the border to protect the American people while building the wall around the Capitol to keep the American people out. It all makes complete sense. Right, yeah, totally. And it, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, I want to talk to Biden voters and say, are you happy now? Do you feel like he's doing a good thing for you and our country? Do you feel safer? Do you feel more secure? Are you happy with your vote? And I think a large portion of those people, well, other than the dead ones, because we know they just voted for Biden because it wasn't their choice, but the living ones, they probably have a little bit of buyer's remorse. Well, you're seeing that all the time out there on social media that people do have buyer's remorse. But I started to believe I don't think that the Democrats actually care that much what the American people think. No, they hate America, so they're and, complicit. And, and, and well, and they they have uh, you know they have big tech, they have uh, all of social media, they have all of media to back them up, and then it, whatever they don't get there, they can just cheat their way <laughs> into getting votes. And so they don't really actually need the American people in their minds. I don't think. And a lot of them are these liberal coastal elites who have walls around their homes, who have private armed security, but so say that we, the common folk, can't have a gun. So it's do as I say, not as I do. They're going to be at the French Laundry. They're going to be getting their hair done inside without a mask. They're doing the things that liberal elites can do while we sit at home and struggle. It's amazing how many people fought for it. It's sad, and it's continuing. Yeah. All right. Aaron Elmore, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Coming up, John Solomon joins me to talk about the major contributions, the media world from Rush Limbaugh. And uh, most of us would not be, and this is true, where we are today if it weren't for that one big personality, Rush Limbaugh. What a hole he leaves in our hearts. That's up next. Stick around. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Shocking news today in the media world, Rush Limbaugh, the king of talk radio, has passed away. Few of us in media today would be where we are right now without the contribution of Rush Limbaugh. Here with me to discuss right now, John Solomon. John, good to have you with us. Um, yes. Where were you when you heard the news? And, and did you expect to hear this now? Yes, I could tell from uh, friends close to him that in the last four or five days, he was he was he knew he was nearing the end. And so... Uh, it was expected by those around him. And yet, though we expected it for a long time because he's chronicled his battle with lung disease, when you hear the news, it still hits you and, and you're numb for a while. Uh, even when you, you plan and expect something like this to happen, uh, you can't fill a void as large as Rush Limbaugh. He's a, a once-in-a-generation talent. And how did you find out? I was literally sitting at my desk when I got a phone call from uh, a very close friend of Rush, and we called our breaking news desk, and we had our news alert out in a few minutes because we had some preparedness. And then I spent a few minutes reflecting, just trying to remember all the great moments in my career where either he read something or interviewed me or did something, and uh, it made me smile for a moment, even as sad as we all were. Yeah. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, as you know, was honored by President Trump, and I'm so glad that happened. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and we have that sound. Beloved by millions of Americans who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news.
But what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. John, his emotion, even in that moment, was just palpable. Um, yeah. Did you have a chance to talk to him after that? We talked once in the summer, briefly, uh, about a story I had done that he was reading on there. And, uh, you know, I, that moment reminds me of something that I think a lot of people don't know about Rush Limbaugh. The Rush Limbaugh I got to know, and I only got to know him a little tiny bit, was but despite all the power of his voice, despite all the power of his intellect and the size of his audience, he was a remarkably humble person when you got to know him. He was soft-spoken, off-air, and uh, humble, and always praising other people, never seeking to uh, bring any attention to himself. And that moment where he almost feels stunned that the President of the United States has given him this such amazing award, I think is authentic. I just don't think he ever saw himself as a big person or somebody that people should bow to, or uh, the celebrity wasn't his calling. He just believed in conservative values and wanted to share them with America. And I think that moment of humility is, uh, was a rare moment in public where people behind the scenes knew all the time. He was a very humble and uh, a very ma man of deep faith. And uh, I think it got him through this very last difficult year uh, with, with that. I want to give you a moment to talk about his influence in your life. When's the first time you heard the name Rush Limbaugh? I think I was an early AP reporter, uh, I think in the early 90s, uh, when I first uh, heard his voice. And, and I think he called up one day. I had done a story about Ross Perot and his secret history with the Richard Nixon administration, where Ross Perot had offered basically the equivalent of a $60 million bribe, got all these favors from Richard Nixon, and then he never delivered the money. And at that moment, Ross Perot was in the 1992 election uh, and, you know, causing real trouble for George H.W. Bush and, and Bill Clinton. And that story hit uh, big. Ross Pro dropped out within a couple of weeks of my story. And in the middle of that, Rush Limbaugh called me up. First time I had ever heard his name, really, and asked me questions about the story because he wanted to be accurate and true to the story. He didn't want to spin it. He wanted the facts, to be honest. And he called me for a few minutes. And I thought, wow, what a cool guy. A, a guy on radio wants to make sure the facts are right. I wish many journalists today practiced what he practiced back then. We've heard a lot of people say that conservative talk radio, of course, would not exist without him. 
Uh, that's certainly where I started in media. But, right. you know, I've wondered today, what would the MAGA movement look like without Rush Limbaugh? You know, I think uh, beyond the humility and the faith, which are, are private attributes of his, he was a transformative figure. He didn't just lead talk radio. He transformed talk radio. He didn't just lead conservative thought. He transformed conservative thought. And there was a moment, you know, in 2015 and 2016 where it wasn't clear conservatives, evangelicals, um, or, or everyday Republicans were going to embrace this brash guy called Donald Trump from New York. And, and I think he was able to be a translator for an entire movement to say, hey, whatever you think of his personality, his policies are right where conservatives always want them to be. And you gotta, you gotta be serious about this guy. And I think he lent a lot of credibility and, and he was sort of a interpreter translator, you know, cause you, you can get fixated on Donald Trump's personality or you can get fixated on his talent and his policies and the people he represented. And I think Rush played a really instrumental role in getting all Republicans, all conservatives, or most all Republicans, uh, uh, comfortable with Donald Trump. And that turned out to be a good move for conservatism because Donald Trump cons uh, hit a lot of checkboxes that even Ronald Reagan couldn't hit during his time in office. No doubt a massive chasm left without Rush Limbaugh on the airwaves every day. Uh, but not just on the airwaves, really in, in just the conservative movement, when we're trying to make decisions as, as a movement, when we're trying to make, um, you know, pivots as, as, as media, especially in the wave of new media and all of the changes taking place there with technology and so on and so forth. Rush, Rush would have been at the pinnacle and the forefront of all of that, John. What does that look like without him? Well, it, I can tell you many times over the years, I'd be talking with a Republican senator, Republican House member, a presidential candidate, and they would say, did you see what Rush said? Or, you know what, I got to check what, what Rush's take on, on this today. Yeah. I think he had the ability to synthesize the kernel of every story, of every idea. Uh, if you listen to Rush Limbaugh, and maybe you had an idea generally rattling in the back of your head, he slapped it out of the back of your head and he got it to your frontal lobe. He had an ability, and you know, liberals hated him for it, and conservatives loved him for it. He could get to the actual why you should care of any policy, idea, story, scandal. And I, I just haven't seen many people like him. And I wonder now, in an era where talk radio is transforming into social media and YouTube and all these new streaming opportunities, who's going to fill that void? Who's going to step up and be that person that synthesizes a great kernel of an idea every day and leaves you with something to talk about at the water cooler, the dinner table, the boardroom, because he influenced people at all those levels. And while he was a conservative talk show host, he spoke to many millions who don't identify as conservatism, but agreed with his common sense view of America. And uh, that's a gift that very few people have, and he's gonna be sorely missed in the conservative movement. There's no doubt about it. He did. One of the people I spoke to today uh, that, that we were, one of the folks I spoke to was uh, James, you know, Sean Hannity's producer, and we were talking about right. how he was uh, such good friends with uh, uh, um, Combs, his name was blanking me, for me for the second, Hannity and yep. Combs, like yeah, I right. think of his first name, and uh, Alan Combs, and, uh, Alan and, Combs and, yes. and I knew him briefly also, and, um, and you know, obviously they didn't gr agree, John, on most things that they talked about, correct, but they did agree on the issue of free speech, and it was such a critical yeah. issue to them. And um, it was interesting because growing up as a little girl, I, my dad and I, as you know, 
completely polar opposites in, on every single issue straight down the line. Uh, uh -huh. except for the issue of free speech. That would be the one thing that he and I, my dad and I, agree on also. And so we would debate for hours on, on end every single day. I worked for him at, 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 through, through high school. And we would debate right. as we were assembling these little parts in his, in, in, he was an inventor in his office. And, um, and we would listen to Paul Harvey and we would listen to Rush Limbaugh. And uh, uh. that is how, I, I'm convinced that's how I ended up going into media. My whole family went into medicine and I went into media. And I'm convinced that's that? why is because of those debates. And, and so, if it, but you have to give Rush credit because he, he wasn't just friends with conservatives. He had a lot of friends that were actually on the other side of the fence that had great reverence for him, have great reverence for him, for what he did in mass media, for what he did for free speech, for what he did just in the field of communication in general. Yeah, and also a lot of charitable work. He was a very charitable person that really cared about causes and people. You know, when I watched that clip that you just played back, the saddest moment was watching Nancy Pelosi not be able to acknowledge Rush Limbaugh. Uh, she was looking down, trying to avoid the moment. Rush Limbaugh never tried to avoid a Democrat. He never tried to uh, vilify them. He never was trying to destroy them. He just wanted to debate ideas. And, and I think that in that moment, uh, that would have been a moment for Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats to say, all right, we disagree with the guy on values and issues, but he's a good man and we should honor him. And they couldn't do it. They had to look down. And Nancy Pelosi's uncomfortableness really was a different type of partisanship than, than uh, Rush Limbaugh illustrated every day. He could see past the policies and appreciate the person regardless of their viewpoint. And uh, that's going to be sorely missed. This generation of Americans today, they want to engage in warfare all the time. And they never they forget sometimes that there's a person behind the slogan or the bumper sticker or the debate of the day. And Rush Limbaugh always saw the person, even, even if he disagreed with them. Yeah, it could definitely explain conservatism like no one else. And uh, he leaves behind such an incredible legacy of those who really who are, I think, emboldened by his words and his inspirations and his um, common sense logic, really, that just was almost contagious in, 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 in to others. I feel like he, he handed off a million torches, don't you, John? And I feel like I got a little tiny one of those sparks from, a, from one of those torches, and I feel like you got a great big one, and like it's up to so many of us to just kind of keep uh, keep that flame alive for free speech and for media and for all the things that he represented. We we bear a huge responsibility to carry so much of what he carried on. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The fact that he inspired you just told of the greatness that he had. The fact that he inspired Sean Hannity and mentored him and Mark Levin and all these great voices. His legacy lives on in the personas of people like you that now have the responsibility of, of translating conservatism to the American public every day. And I know he'll be looking down, smiling at all the good work that you do. Well, John, I appreciate you taking time out to remember him with me. He was a great Missourian. I was there in the Capitol building. He was? Blessed to be there. Many times he was there. My husband served in the Senate uh, many right. times where we honored him. And, uh, and I, you know, one of my great regrets in life, I was telling someone today, I'm not one of those people that asks for pictures. And I never asked for a picture with Rush. I don't have one. And I think it'll be wow. a great regret of my life that I just never had the, I don't know, whatever, to ask for one. Because I do now. <laughs> I wish I had one. But uh, it means so much to me that you 
were willing to come on my show tonight oh, and to remember him with me because he was a, a truly a giant in so many ways and and so I have so many memories of him and and you've become such a meaningful part of my life and this network and this show and and Same us way. being partners yep. with you it's it's very meaningful to have you here tonight thank you for joining me thanks Gina appreciate it a lot have a good night you too and thanks to you for joining me tonight. Thanks to everyone here at your new home for real news, Real America's Voice, RAV-TV. Don't forget to stay tuned for Live from Studio 6B. It's up next with Damon and the crew. As always, hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, and live the truth. Good night, everybody.